Welcome to A Pinch of Salt with me, your host, Pete Goffwood. Today is the third and final part of our Bry Chat, seeing that National Heritage Day is upon us. So let's talk about some practical tips, shall we? First of all, good brying begins with good shopping. Try and establish a rapport with either your butcher or if you shop in supermarkets, the butchery manager. Engage with them. You'd be amazed how helpful and informed they are. And they will definitely point out good value cuts to bry um, as well as, as as put in special orders for you. You know, if you're looking for um, for strange cuts or anything like that, they all come off the same beast that they buy in all the time. So they'd be happy to oblige. So getting a good relationship in, in that regard is of paramount importance. An interesting thing for me is is avoid using marinades, particularly with high sugar and, and starch content. The reason being is that they tend to burn quite easily and you, you've just spent a, a fair whack of money on some expensive meat and now all it does is, is taste of, of Steve's bry sauce or whatever it is. You know, And if you're, if you're obsessed and you like the sweetness or you want a bit of spice... The thing to do there is when the meat is finely cooked and it's ready, brush a little bit on so it just caramelizes on the surface and then you'll get the, the beauty of that flavor, but it won't overpower the meat that, 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 you're, that you're cooking. I, I like to use not a, a marinade, but more of a, a sort of seasoning mixture myself. I like to use 50% of each, like equal parts of extra virgin olive oil and uh, Worcestershire sauce. Uh, ideally, Lee and Perrins. Um, if you can find it, it's it's not always available in shops these days, but it's the original uh, Worcestershire sauce, and it has tamarind extract as well as uh, anchovy essence. Now, this is more of a seasoning, so it's not going to taste of anything different. It doesn't taste of Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. Ah. What it does do is it gives your meat a more meaty flavor, and it, and it takes us on to probably one of our most important briar tips, and that's the question of seasoning. There are two camps of thought in terms of in terms of salt and pepper on your meat or bry salt or whatever it is that you use and whether that's whether or not to put it on before the meat goes onto the fire during or after well there is only one rule that you need to follow from here on afterwards and that is to season your meat beforehand and, and I'll tell you why there's a scientific there's science that backs this up the detractors of seasoning before will tell you that if you put salt on the meat it draws the moisture out of the meat well strictly speaking they are correct but we're not talking about seasoning your your meat three hours in advance we're talking about seasoning it 10 or 15 minutes before you throw it on the fire and what that does is when that piece of meat or chicken or fish for that matter hits that bry grid that salt and pepper that's on the surface bakes onto the surface of the meat and that is what gives it that lovely umami kind of meaty saltiness that when you cut that first slice that saltiness that's charred onto the meat that is only ever achieved by actually seasoning your meat before you put it on the fire. If you season it while it's cooking or you season it afterwards, all you end up with salty meat. You don't get that lovely, what, what chefs call that malleard effect is when you get that caramelization on the outside. And that's part and parcel of having it seasoned before it comes into contact with the heat. And that, that just a thing to remember that, that chefs have spoken about the years about sealing in the juices. It doesn't, it's not something that actually exists. We know the science behind that now. What you're doing is as you're, you're getting that caramelization on, on your steak or your lamb or, or whatever it is you're cooking, and it's the flavor is in that caramelization. You're not actually seizing in the juices. You're not going to, to, to stop any kind of any weight loss. So don't think about that. 
But when it comes to, to, to charring meat on the outside, what I find um, a, another tip for me, which is all important, is try and cook larger pieces of meat. And, and when I say larger pieces of meat, so say, for example, you're cooking uh, rump steak for, for four people. And where you would normally get four 250-gram steaks, rather get a one-kilogram piece of rump and bry that and then slice it afterwards. And I'll tell you why. Because with the larger pieces of meat, they're more forgiving on the fire. You can, you can render the fat down. You can get lovely color and char on the outside without worrying about cooking it, overcooking it in the middle. You know, too often you see these 250-gram, particularly rump, when they cut an entire cross-section of the rump, and it's probably less than a centimeter thick. By the time you've got color on one side of it, you've overcooked it already. So rather cook bigger pieces of meat. And, and for those of you who are not used to cooking bigger pieces of meat, get yourself a temperature probe. You know, there's no shame in, in, in particularly with larger pieces of meat, or, and, and if you're going to cook things like legs of lamb or whole sirloin, get yourself a temperature probe. You know, you spent a lot of money on this piece of meat. You don't want to, A, look foolish in front of your mates by either under or overcooking it, and also you don't want to waste it. You know, you're looking on a, on a, on a piece of, of meat, you're looking at an internal temperature for medium rare of about 48 degrees Celsius. I've mentioned before another tip we mentioned right in, in our first chat, clean, bry grid. I cannot reinforce that enough that all of that carbon buildup when you burn your grid clean does not transmit heat well. And particularly if you're cooking fish or have a fondness for cooking fish, your fish is going to stick to the, the grid unless you scrub it clean. A good way of preventing it sticking to the grid, even if it is clean, is particularly with fish, uh, brush your meat or your fish or your chicken for that matter with a little bit of, of oil, or preferably um, uh, extra virgin olive oil, then season it. So not only does it help the seasoning stick to the surface of the meat, but it also prevents that, that meat from sticking to, to, to the grid. And, and there, is the, there comes the other thing. And, and now, guys, I have to mention this. Just because you hold the tongs, and we understand that it's a vital and important role, he who holds the tongs is in charge, but that doesn't mean you have to continually turn the meat. Every time you pick a piece of meat up off of the fire, you're taking it away from heat contact. Now, unless the fire is really, really hot and you need to keep turning and moving, that's fine. But... Try and, and leave particularly steaks and lamb or as long as possible on one side to get a nice char and a nice seasoning on them. And especially with fish, the, the, the least often you turn fish, the less likely it's going to break up and fall apart. And, 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 and an extension of that is invest in a decent pair of tongs. Get a nice lifter, particularly if you're fond of cooking fish. And with fish in particular, freshest is always best. Um, I, I find unless it's fish that you've caught yourself and frozen on the day that you've caught it, Frozen fish has a tendency to be a little bit flabby and watery and it, it sticks to the grill and it's never quite as tasty. We come to a very, very important part of, uh, of brying and that's resting your meat. So ideally, you should let your meat rest for 20% of its cooking time. And by resting, I mean that what ends up, when, when you put a piece of meat on, on, on a, and it's the same you put in a braai, you put it in the oven or you put it into a pan, the heat source draws all of the juices towards the heat. And so what ends up happening is all that beautiful flavor that's inside your, your meat gets gravitates, gravitates towards the heat source. And if you take your steak off the bra, put it on a board and cut it immediately, all of that juice will leach out all over the board and the flavor will be lost. So let the steak or whatever you're cooking sit and rest for a couple of minutes, let's say 20% of its cooking time, and those juices will slowly retract back into to the meat and giving you a much juicier um, and, and more evenly cooked uh, piece of meat. 
I'll mention something about vegetables because we all like to do it. And everyone always does this, when, especially with whole potato, potatoes, butter or whole onions. We're obsessed with wrapping them in foil before we put them in the fire. Think about foil. It's, it's not particularly thick. It's, it's, it's wafer thin. And it doesn't give that much protection from, from the heat and the coals. And, and of course, things like butternut, potato, onions have a fantastic skin. Um, so don't peel them. Put them in whole. And all you do is, when, when they're ready, take them out and brush them off with a, with a cloth. And you'll find that all that soot will disappear. And you'll have this lovely smoky element that was never there before to, to your vegetables. And I think that's always a, that is always an interesting, a, a better way of cooking. And, and while we're on it, I'm going to just throw this out there because it's always a, a debate that we always have around the fire and I see it in kitchens all over and that's the tinfoil debate the shiny side up or the dull side up and, and, and which one reflects heat more and that kind of nonsense. I will put this to rest for you now. This is one of those Mythbusters. It makes no difference. The reason why there is a shiny side and a dull side to tinfoil is that when it's put through rollers in order to flatten it out to the consistency it is, it's done as a double layer. So uh, two layers go through a roller on the top and the bottom. And the roller, the, the layer that's on the outside has the, has the greatest contact with the roller, is, ends up being shiny. And the, the, the two inside pieces are dull. It makes absolutely no difference whatsoever to the cooking method whether it is shiny side up, shiny side in, whatever. And, and I, I always see this, and we have loads of debates about whether or not it has significance to the cooking time, cooking method. It makes no difference whatsoever. I mentioned last week in our Bry Etiquette uh, um, uh, chat about the meat sequence. And I think this is uh, very, very important um, to think about how you manage your fire and, and about what you're going to cook. You know, um, any bry master who keeps taking stuff off the, pyre, off the fire and putting it in the warming drawer to be served later, that is how you lose the tongs around the fire and get expelled from, from being in charge. The whole idea of a good bry is to, is to make sure that you get the things that need to cook the longest, like chicken pieces, particularly on the bone, thighs and even breasts. Make sure they go on first and slowly but surely you add the bits and pieces on that need to cook last. Um, even if it means adding a little bit of more coals towards the end, remembering that steak and vorse are probably the things that cook the quickest. So therefore, those are the things that should go on at the last, at the last, other last things to go on. Some other practical cooking tips: if you like kebabs and sasatis, for example, um, soak the sasati sticks in water for an hour or so before you thread whatever it is you're going to put on your on, on your sasati. Put those in water. What ends up happening there is because the, the sasati sticks, those those bamboo sticks, soak up the water. They're less likely to burn when you're actually cooking on um, uh, on the fire. Another 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 interesting tip is spatchcock chicken. We all love a bit of chicken, um, and traditionally, particularly ones you buy in the supermarket, if you do it yourself, normally you cut through the the backbone of the chicken and flatten it out that way. Counter, it's counterintuitive to do it the other way around, and that is cut through the breast. But I find you actually get the best results, and the reason being is the chicken itself actually flattens out better. So you get a far more even cooking through both the thighs and the breasts. And because the, 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 the backbone remains intact, you'll find that if you're turning it over multiple times to make sure you get a nice char on each side, it's less likely to fall apart. 
And I think that's a, 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 a nice tip. Um, just a travel tip for me, I, I think, I, and I do this, in, in, I have this in, in the boot of my car. For those of you who love driving or uh, going on holiday, whatever the case is, I always like to have a little bri kit in the boot of my car. Um, because you never know when, I don't know, you're going to have a flat tire or waiting for roadside assistance or decide to stop overnight somewhere. And that's, and, 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 and woe betide, you don't have the wherewithal to bry. You never know, you might stop off in a little village somewhere, a little town somewhere, and find a fabulous butcher. And so I like to always, in a, in a bag in the back of my car, have some tongs, a grill brush, uh, a nice stainless steel grid, um, a chopping board, a small chopping board, some fire lighters and matches, and, and just, I like to have a small bottle of olive oil, some, and a salt and pepper grinder. Whatever happens, whatever, uh, delays you on your trip, you'll always be able to light a fire and actually make something on the briar. The last tip I'm going to, to tell you is not necessarily a tip. It's just one of my favorite bri quotes. And, and it's particularly pertinent to the fact that it's 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 National Heritage Day or National Briar Day today. And, and it's a fantastic quote from my good mate, Jan Briar, who's been the champion of National Briar Day. And, and his tip is, or not tip, his quote is, and I love it, a briaruki is the only chance in life to have your bread buttered on both sides. And with that, folks, enjoy your National Heritage Day, whatever you do. And until we speak again next week, may the source be with you.